You are listening to the YLM Sermon of the Week podcast with Pastor Steve Tolbert. Be blessed and refreshed by this relevant word from the Lord. Encourage you. And I, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, take your stand. Take your stand. And the reason why we need to make that our declaration that we're going to take our stand is because in a lot of people's lives, um, the enemy thinks that he can push you around. He can bully you around. But when we understand exactly what we have in Christ and the power, the authority that we have in Christ, then we can exercise that by faith in the name of Jesus. And so we're going to look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 13. And so Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 13 says this. You can stand for the reading of God's word. It says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Amen. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. And so as I look at this, as I look at this scripture and We're going to go verse by verse here. So it says, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. And so have you ever had a a time in your life where uh, stuff has happened, life has happened, and you have felt like you're at your wit's end? And so here Paul is telling us, he's saying that when we don't have enough strength, God has more than enough strength which is why it says it is vast. And then his strength is not only applicable in one area of our life, but it's applicable in every single area of our life. But we have to learn to depend on God for his strength and not try to handle it ourselves. Like I remember hearing some people, when when you say, hey, uh, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, how come you ain't been to church in a while? Uh-huh. And they say, well, I'm, I'm just trying to work out some things. I'm trying to do something. And, and they're trying to do it in their own strength. But see, when you realize that God is the only strength that you really have, especially when it comes to spiritual warfare, because the warfare, and I said this before, that the attacks against you are not merely launched from a physical plane, but it's launched behind the scenes in the spirit. And see, the devil knows that if he can frustrate you enough, then he can get you to give up on God and go back to what you used to do. But see, Paul says this, be strengthened by the Lord. And so everything that we live, we're living for the Lord. Okay, and so because we're living for the Lord, then God is responsible for what happens to us, which is why he's made his strength available to us. And so it says, put on the full armor of God 
so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. And so if you, if you are to engage in warfare, then you have to be dressed appropriately. See, there's some people trying to do warfare and they're wearing a, a basketball jersey. That doesn't give you any protection. They, they're wearing a trench coat. That still doesn't, it may give you protection from the weather, but it won't give you any protection from the attacks of the enemy or from warfare. But Paul says, put on the full armor of God. So there is not an element of the armor of God that we can go without. Because we have to have on the full armor of God. Because when we have, because guess what? The, the devil launches an all-out assault. And when he launches that all-out assault, it comes to every single area that may be exposed. And so when he tries to penetrate your armor, he could try to penetrate your armor with unforgiveness. He could try to penetrate your armor with sickness. He could try to penetrate your armor with, with not having enough money. He could try to penetrate your armor in any way possible. But because you have on the full armor of God, you are protected from every assault because it tells us about the helmet of salvation. Why? Because the devil's going to, number one, try to attack you in your mind. Last night, Ellie, Melissa, and I were reading uh, Matthew 4, where Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, and he was hungry. But what did the devil do? The devil tempted him first in his mind. Because he knows that if I can break you down mentally, then everything else will fall in place for me. And so we have to understand that the psychological warfare of the enemy, it, it needs to, we need to always have the, the helmet of salvation, okay? We have to have that helmet of salvation on because one, we need to be reminded that one, we're saved now. That's right. All right? So, so you are not to live like everybody else. But you're saved now. So, you're, so the thoughts that you have in terms of the way you live are lived from the mind of Christ, not the mind of Steve. Come on, come on. Because see, if I try to go out in the mind of Steve, then I can only take but so much. You can only push that button so much before Steve shows you what he's capable of. But see, when we have the mind of Christ, then one, when we come into frustrating situations, because Jesus even said that in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. You'll have things that stress you out. You'll have things that, that try to pull you to your, to your limit. But he says, be of good cheer. Why you can overcome? Because I already overcame. I stripped and the amplified it says, I stripped the devil of his power to harm you. And so you don't have to fall prey and lose the psychological warfare aspect. All right. And then he, the other part of the armor that he tells us, he says what? He says, stand therefore with your belt, like a, with truth, like a belt around your waist. With truth, like a belt around your waist. I don't know if you've ever uh, tried to go out, you forget your belt. And then all of a sudden, you're doing some really vigorous movement, and what happened? 
your pants start to slide all over the place. And if you're not careful, your pants will fall down. And see, because people haven't had truth, like a belt, the truth of God's word, not your truth, but the truth of God's word, because people have not had the truth of God's word around their waist like a belt, they haven't been able to keep their pants up. And you've been exposed. You ever had those, the dream, it's famous, a lot of people have it, where you go to school and you're in front of the class and all of a sudden you realize, I ain't got no clothes on. You're exposed. And a lot of believers have been exposed to the lies of the enemy because the truth of God's word is not around their ways. All right. And then he says righteousness like a breastplate. And because one, right, the breastplate of righteousness is is you saying that, God, I stand in who you are. I stand and I stand in and who Jesus has made me because it, scripture tells us that he made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so I'm standing and who you made me. And so it is a truth that my heart realizes. That's why the breastplate, because righteousness has to be a truth that your heart realizes. All right. Because when people try to assault you verbally and tell you you're, you're who you're not, Right. You think you better than me. You, you're nothing. You're this. You're that. And, and so that's going to attack your heart. It's not just going to attack your head. It's going to attack your heart. When people chip away at your self-esteem, it may be processed here, but it takes effect here. And so the righteousness of God, it stands behind who God is and not who I am. As a matter of fact, because I'm standing behind who God is, then who I am becomes who God is. All right. And so he tells us that we need to be able to stand. If we go back, he tells us we need to be able to stand against the tactics of the devil. And so the first point is this. We will either stand by faith or we will fall by unbelief. And so the body of Christ as a whole needs to believe again. They need to come back into true faith in God where all things are possible and stop allowing the world's limits to limit them. Because the, the, the body of Christ, for the most part, has become too secular. We've become too secular to where we start to gradually adapt the world's ways until we don't even look like Jesus anymore. I was talking to a friend this weekend and he was asking me about my view on the things that have been happening and all this stuff. And I said, I am, I'm, I'm almost ashamed because the church don't look like Jesus. We look like the world. And, and it's because gradually over time, little bit by little bit, we've given away a piece of who we are. And we've accepted a lie from the enemy that he wants us to graft into our identity because he knows that if we live that, that identity that he gives us, we'll always be defeated. You're a hostage. And so, so we need to 
keep ourselves in the word of God because, and, and we need to grow in our faith in God because again, you will either stand by faith because this is not stuff that just because you got it on, you good. No, because it's activated by faith. And so we'll either stand by faith or you'll fall by unbelief. So when you're in the unbelief stage, then that's when the enemy can come run roughshod over your whole life. And he can actually cause a lot of damage that may be irreversible in the world's eyes. But God can make all things new. And so Bob Sword says this in his book, Glory. He says, the nature of the enemy's warfare in your life is to cause you to become discouraged and to cast away your confidence. Not that you would necessarily discard your salvation, but you could give up your hope of God's deliverance. The enemy wants to numb you into a coping kind of Christianity that has given up hope of seeing God's resurrection power. And so the devil doesn't want you to believe that God can do miracles. The devil doesn't want you to believe that God can save that, that horrible relative or that horrible neighbor or that horrible person. He, he wants you to think that it's impossible. He wants you to think that they're going to die in addiction. He wants you to think that they're going to die broken. He wants you to think that they're going to die separated from you. But God says, no, that is not what I said. I said that I'm going to reconcile. I'm going to restore. I'm going to, I'm going to bring back and give you back everything the enemy thinks he's stolen from you. And so we need to understand that we can have Hope in yes. the salvation of yes. the Lord. Yes. And so what we need to understand is that our Christianity, our faith walking God is as much about the here and now as it is about the not yet. See, I remember all you would hear growing up, for the most part, you would hear a lot of people talking about heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven. Or I can't wait till Jesus come and rapture up his church. And, and they're not even maximizing life here on earth. They, they don't have any savings. They don't have, they, they, they've never owned a home. They've always rented. They, they, they're always sick. They're always paying doctor bills. They, they always, they're always, they always living below. But when we understand the truth of what salvation really means, because it is the word soteria, which is deliverance from temporal evils. Temporal meaning time. In eternity, there is no time. So when do I need to experience salvation? Now. And so every day that I'm living my life, I am expecting to experience the salvation of the Lord. But wait, Pastor Steve, you said you already got saved. I'm past the point of the initial entry into salvation and now i am living out my salvation i'm experiencing the salvation when i get in a pinch then god will save me when i need to visit then the angels will minister and save me. we need the we need the church to believe in that we need the church to believe in angelic visitation and, and angelic intervention. We need the church to believe in the power of God that will transcend any difficulty of our circumstance. We need to believe again. 
And so in Hebrews, in Hebrews 4, verse 11, it says this, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest of God to know and experience it for ourselves so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience as those who died in the wilderness. And so what does the scripture tell us about those people? That they perished because they didn't believe. Joshua and Caleb believed. Joshua and Caleb were up for the challenge because it was bigger than them. It had to be God. And so they were up for the challenge. But the rest of them, they were seeing with natural eyes and their natural eyes said, we can't do this. I'm not qualified to do this. I'm so small. I'm so black. I'm so this. I'm so that. They were saying everything that was a deficit in their life, they were highlighting it. And so when you highlight the deficits in your life, then God becomes smaller. He's not really small, but your belief in him makes him small in your mind, in your heart. And so we need to understand that we got to be like Joshua and Caleb who said, we can do this. As a matter of fact, let me add him. Let me add him. I don't know what size Joshua and Caleb was. They could have been four foot 11, but they was little scrappy guys. As a matter of fact, it said about Caleb, it called, his name was translated dog. So he had the tenacity of a bulldog. And we need to have some bulldog faith. And so in 2 Peter for, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 to 7, it says, For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything that necessary for our dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has bestowed on us his precious and magnificent promises of inexpressible value so that by them you may escape from the immoral freedom that is in the world because of disreputable, uh, disreputable desire and become sharers of the divine nature. For this very reason, applying your diligence to the promises, the divine promises, make every effort. That is the one thing that we have to remember to do is put in some effort. We want God to do everything, but we forget our part. Because there is God's part and then there is man. Your part has to line up with his part in order for his will to manifest on earth as it is in heaven. But if you don't do your part and you don't move towards his part, then there won't be that divine connection that there needs to be to make heaven come to earth. And so it says that make every effort in exercising your faith to develop, to develop, to develop. You have to always be in a process of spiritual development. Just like your job, at your job, some of the jobs, they have the web-based trainings that come every every month or every quarter because they want their employees to constantly be in a process of development. Uh-huh. And so spiritually speaking, there's nobody hanging over us telling us what we need to do. But God says here that we need to develop. We need to develop. We need to get in a process of developing. How do we develop? That means that we commit ourselves to actually studying the word of God, not just reading it. That's right. See, 
the one thing, I love technology, but the one thing that technology has done, it has made people lazy. Can you remember 10 phone numbers anymore? I'm not going to lie, I can't. I can remember maybe the top three that I commonly call, and that's my wife and my parents. Outside of that, I don't know nobody else's number. But technology has made us late because we're not developing our memory skills anymore. Even with AI, AI, we were talking about this the other day. AI is a great tool if it's used correctly. But when you get to the point to where everything is generated by AI, then you no longer are able to develop critical thinking skills in order to put your ideas on paper. And so we have to develop. We have to get into the word of God. Into the We got to get into the word of God. Yeah, it can be on your app, but start taking some notes. Really study. Don't just get the verse of the day. That's And so then it says, and then you're not, it says, uh, develop moral excellence and the moral excellence, knowledge, insight, and understanding, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, steadfastness, and in your steadfastness, godliness, and in godliness, brotherly affection. See, it says godliness and then brotherly affection because you can't be godly and not love your brother. There are a lot of people, I, I remember... Some of the meanest folk was the per people in church. They were all, I mean, I remember there used to be, at my granddad's church, there used to be this one lady who was the meanest lady I ever met. But that person touted themselves as being very spiritual, very godly, but they had some wicked ways about them. And so... Peter is telling us that if you're going to be godly, you also got to have love. Because it ain't going to look right. Because if God is loving, you ain't loving, then who's in you? And so, and in your brotherly affection, develop Christian love that is learned, that is learned to unselfishly seek the best for others and to do things for their benefit. So that is, that is where we all accept the responsibility to minister, to serve. That is what the word minister means. It don't just mean now you're on a, the top of the hierarchy in church. But minister, like I, I told people, so when the announcement was made a couple of years ago in January, you know, that I was going to be lead pastor, the first thing I said was, I see it as now I got to serve more. Now I'm not high up. I'm low because that's what Jesus modeled for me. And see, we're following the example of Jesus in the way that we lead people. And we lead people to show them by showing them how to serve. This is, this is what Jesus did. He came and said that the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to be a ransom for many. And so we got to learn that that is an important factor. The service factor is an important. And that's what we want to do this year is we want to we want to create more opportunities for this body to serve more. And not just serve more in here for services. No, serve out there so that they can see your life. And so it says that it says love that is to learn unselfishly, uh, seek the best for others and to do things for their benefit. 
And then uh, faith must be mixed with the word and released through corresponding action. And so James 2, verse 17 says, so too, faith, if it does not have works to back it up, is by itself dead, inoperative, and ineffective. And so you can't say you believe in miracles and, and healing and you never pray for healing. When somebody's sick, you just tell them, well, uh, go, to the, go to the doctor, and, and the doctor is good. But the doctor eventually should get to the point to where they confirm what God has already done. You know, and, 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 some, and we've resigned ourselves to medical science alone. And again, medical science is not bad. Medical science is valuable. But we need to understand that the power of God has not been rendered ineffective in our generation. But because people are so afraid to move out in faith, and see, it takes a risk when you move out and you believe God for the healing of somebody, or you believe God and stand and intercede for somebody even, that their loved one would be saved despite of the, uh, the difficulties that they have. You'll believe. And so then we got to put on that armor daily and take our stand. And so this last quote by Franklin Roosevelt says this, physical strength can never permanently withstand the impact of spiritual force. And so if you're going to last, if you're going to remain the last person standing in this spirit in a warfare that you're dealing with, if the body of Christ is going to be the last person standing in this global and, and universal warfare that we're dealing with, then we have to understand that it's not about our physical strength. It, it's not it's not about us roughing somebody up, you know, because that's the other thing is that we got to get to the point. The church has to get to the point to where we don't run from people that have mental illness. We run towards them so that we can actually exercise the power of God and cause them to be delivered. That's right. That's right. And so, Lord God, we just thank you for this clarion call to accept your challenge, to take our stand, to actually, Lord God, be determined that we won't lose in this spiritual warfare that we're engaged in. And whether we like it or not, we're in warfare, so we need to act like it, and we need to dress accordingly. So, God, we thank you that every day we remember to put on a full armor of God. We thank you that every day we remember to exercise your love towards the world. Lord God, we thank you that every, every day we remember to exercise your mercy because mercy triumphs over judgment. So, God, we just thank and we praise you right now for your goodness towards us. And we just thank you for the salvation of the Lord that we'll experience every single day of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Perhaps there's a person or persons that you are you want to actually accept Jesus. And so right now I want to pray with you. Uh, that you would actually accept him right where you are. Uh, and so pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for stripping the devil of his power and giving me all power. I thank you, Lord, 
that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I thank you, Lord, that I am now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'll give glory to you and not to man because it's because of you that we are saved. And so God, we thank you that your people will have access to the vast strength that you provide and that they will stand arm in arm with you, Lord God, and that they will even allow you to go before them and make crooked places straight in their life. Lord, I thank you for the work of restoration that you're doing in the lives of those that have just accepted you and even those that have already been in you but didn't know the truth of your word until now. But God, I thank you that you're doing a work of restoration, a work of healing, a work of deliverance, God, in their life. I thank you, Lord God, that you're giving Welcome to Yes, Lord Ministries, a non-denominational, full gospel, Bible-believing church where the word of God comes alive in your life. Partner with YLM financially using the following methods. On Cash App, dollar sign Yes, Lord, and the letter M. You can text the word GIVE to 1-844-948-3895. And on Givelify, search for Yes Lord Ministries in Kenilworth, New Jersey on our website. Visit ylmconnect.org and click Donate. Mail checks and money orders to Yes Lord Ministries using P.O. Box 425, Union, New Jersey 07083. Join us for weekly services at 1130 each Sunday morning. Our location is 225 North 8th Street in Kenilworth, New Jersey. Join us each Sunday night for Sunday Night Ignite at 5 o'clock p.m. Every Wednesday morning from 5.30 a.m. to 5.45 a.m., join us for corporate prayer. Our call-in number is 716-427-1096, and the access code is 172268 and the pound sign. Every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m., Join us for Spread the Bread Bible Study as we dive into the Word of God. Subscribe to our podcast, YLM Sermon of the Week, on iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Play, and Spotify. We've made it easy for you to connect with us. Download the Yes Lord Ministries mobile app from your Apple App Store or Google Play Store today. On behalf of Dr. Willie Tolbert, Dr. Mamie S. Tolbert, our lead pastor, Steve Tolbert, and the Yes Lord Ministry